But uh, thank you for being here today. Trust it. Those of you that are home today will will uh, receive a blessing and and experiencing this this service today, and and we ask that uh, God would just minister to health and strength to you, that you'll be able to be back in the present local assembly in in a very short time. It's a joy to be here today and to experience Jesus. We've had a, a communion service and. Uh, in our middle of our worship service, and so it's been uh, a, a great day. And if you would like to do communion at your house, uh, following this, you're encouraged to to pray over some elements and and make the best of what you have. You don't have to run to the store. Uh, you can just take whatever juice you have, whatever crackers you have, and make it sacred unto the Lord, and and God will honor that. Praise the Lord. Blessing kids and, and listening to children's responses is quite interesting. And a portion of humor today, little Johnny was sobbing in the back seat of the car on the way home. And they just had baby dedication and his little brother got dedicated. So the pastor included the whole family and the little boy was up there. And uh, he was he was sobbing in the back seat, and Dad had not a clue what was going on. And so his father asked him three different times, "Son, what what's wrong? What's what's going on?" Finally, the boy blurted out, "That pastor said he wanted us brought up in a Christian home, and I want to stay with you guys." He was afraid he was going to get farmed out. He was afraid he was going to get farmed out. And so he, uh, he wanted to make sure that, that he got to stay with, with the home that he was assigned to. Praise God. God is good. Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. We're going to look at the steps of the righteous. Paul was a righteous man. Paul wasn't perfect, but he was a righteous man. He sought God. He loved God. And last week, a message, if you weren't here, uh, hopefully you can catch it on, on video, where uh, some of our youth would, was uh, causing a riot in service. Uh, and it was uh, really, they did a great job. And uh, it was the fact that Paul was involved in a riot. People were coming against him. I uh, mean by the hundreds, possibly the thousands, in the Colosseum, and uh, the, the body of Christ, his closest disciples were saying, Paul, you need to get out of the way. Don't go in there. Uh, they're going to kill you, and we want to keep you alive. Just just stay out here and, and, and move about. And so uh, Paul did that, and the city clerk came and uh, put the crowd in order and told them they needed to go home because... There wasn't legal proceedings for them to have a riot. And uh, so Paul is, uh, at that point, uh, moving about. And he brings us into chapter 20. When the uproar had ended, Paul sent for the disciples. And after encouraging them, he said goodbye and set out for Macedonia. First point, encouraging. Okay. 
He traveled through the area, speaking many words of encouragement to the people, and finally arrived in Greece, where he stayed three months, because the Jews made a plot against him, just as he was about to sail to Syria, and he decided to go back from Macedonia. He encouraged them. Anytime the scripture, he traveled through the area, speaking many words of encouragement. Anytime the scriptures give you that concept of the word twice in, in a short period of time, the word of God is being pointed towards us. And there's a spirit of encouragement that comes through taking the word of God, tucking it into our hearts, and putting it in our brain, and putting it through our mouth, there is a spirit of encouragement. Paul went and spoke to folks because their cities were in uproar. People were upset with the way because the way, which is the Christian population of that day, was making waves in the culture of worshiping idols. And, and so it's, it's a, just a natural byproduct that Paul wants to encourage. So he travels through the land talking to as many people as possible. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Say that with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I can do all things. That's some of Paul's writings. It, it, he always had a way of encouraging people. We're more than conquerors through Christ Jesus. Again, Paul's writings. His, his, his demeanor was, I'm going to go to God before I go to man. And it's a good example for us to go to God before you go for God. Go to God before you go for God. In other words, don't go out just doing stuff, but pray and seek the face of God and then go and do stuff. Go to God and then go for God. And Paul was all about that. He was all about spending time in God's presence and then following through on what God had called him to do. And it's remarkable how that words of encouragement, how it changes people's demeanor. Why do words of encouragement change people's demeanor? Because we often listen to our carnal flesh, and we often listen to the carnal thoughts that go through our mind, and they become a, a uh, what do you call it, when you put a squirrel or a rat in a travel cage, the round, the round cage, the the circular cage, when they're in there just going on and on and around and around and around. And, and that's what happens to our thought process, is that we, we just keep thinking the same thought, stupid thought, stupid thought, stupid thought. And, and Jesus uh, spoke words of encouragement, and Paul spoke words of encouragement. And it's so important that when we speak words of encouragement, it causes people to stop in their thought process, and they begin to realize God does have it under control. God is the source and supply of everything I ever need in life. Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these other things have added unto you. And so it's a process of, of encouragement. It's a process of, of work. It's a process of trial and error. But the walk with God, we must always encourage ourselves through the word of God. And Paul was speaking words of encouragement to everyone he came in contact with because he knew they were on the verge of maybe saying, well, you know, this whole crowd can't be wrong. You get this many people doing something, they can't be wrong. 
Just because the whole world's doing it doesn't mean the body of Christ is doing it. Amen? Amen. Just because the world does it doesn't mean we have to do it. And so the, the concept here is, is that he traveled throughout the area speaking many words of encouragement to the people. And it's so important that we follow that pattern of speaking words of encouragement to people. And think about how you can lift somebody up just by the simple words of encouragement. And that's what Paul was doing. He was lifting people up. He was encouraging them so that they could keep the course and live the life that God had called them to. Verse 4, he was accompanied by Sotar and by Tyler and from Berea, Aristarchus and Sandrus from Thessalonica, Gatius from Derby, Timothy also, uh, Tychius and Trophimus from the province of Asia. These men went on ahead and waited for us at Troas. We sailed from Philippi after the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and five days later we joined the others at Troas, where we stayed seven days. A lot of declaration here of times and limits, but the three months probably was the fact that they, because of the wintering and the traveling, it's a three-month span of time when the ships have to go to port and stay uh, and not be out on the waters during the, the roughest times of the winter. It, it is amazing to me the plan of God and how he works out all things. In Paul's steps, the, righteous, the steps of the righteous are, are ordered of God. And we see that uh, it doesn't matter where we're at in life, doesn't matter what we're going through, God has a plan and a purpose. And so he was going through all of these different locations because he was moving about, touching lives, encouraging people, and also he separated himself from the numbers of people. And it's just him and Luke, Paul and Luke, that are traveling together because he's incognito. He's staying away from the crowds so that he can minister a little bit longer so that they can't pluck him out and arrest him for disturbing the peace, if you would. And so uh, Paul is, is traveling and doing his very best and to keep his head above water and to realize that that doesn't matter what's going on in the life, we must recognize that God cares for us and loves us, and uh, it is a powerful, powerful declaration to know that God cares for us. It's the unleavened bread. You see, Paul was still working with the Jewish principles. He still loved God with all of his heart. He, he was being persecuted. He was being pushed aside, put down, made fun of by the world, by dignitaries, by people who worshipped idols. They're very upset at him because they was, he was destroying their livelihood. And so he was dodging the crowd to be where God wanted him to be. Verse 7, on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. It is very important that we take time to look at the Jewish Sabbath and the Christian Sabbath. We're in a transition time here in the, in the New Testament. The Jews have been involved in tradition. And they're going to do tradition no matter what. And 
Paul's preaching something totally different. And so they're having a hard time comprehending the Old Testament scriptures. And that's why you'll see Paul bringing up Old Testament scriptures, Old Testament thoughts, time and time again, to try to bring in the newness of this fact that Jesus is among us. And so the Jewish Sabbath, he would go to the synagogue and he would share, and he would open the scrolls and read the Old Testament and, and speak the very things of God. But this verse says the first day of the week we came together. Luke and Paul came together with the body of Christ the first day of the week. So there's this declaration. The Jewish holiday of Sabbath starts Friday night and goes through Saturday evening. I think it's 6 to 6. I'm not for sure. Um, I had the privilege of working with a Jewish man. And uh, when it was quitting time on Friday, there was no overtime. It was out the door because it was a Sabbath coming. And I'll never, I'll never forget that. I don't particularly think he was a practicing Jew really to heart, but he practiced the Sabbath. He, he made sure that no work was going to happen Friday night. And, and so that, that is the concept of the 24-hour span of time. And, and the Jews hold to it even today. There's synagogues here in Kansas City that are very much involved in perfectly following the law. And Paul was all things to all men that he might win some. So God calls us to be all things to all men that we might win some. So it's important that we speak kind words, kind words of encouragement to those that are not in our faith, to those that are outside our faith, that in turn, they may see something different in us being the Holy Spirit, not our charisma, but God's charisma, and want the presence of Jesus in their life. And so it's really important that we, that we take time to recognize the beauty of what's going on here. But Paul says it's the first day of the week. Does this mean that Paul no longer goes to the synagogues? No. He became all things to all men. He continued to go to the synagogue and to preach on Sundays, on the Sabbath, the Jewish Sabbath. But then on the first day of the week, which is Sunday, and why do we have the first day of the week? It's because the day Jesus Christ arose from the grave. Hallelujah! Amen. Easter story comes alive. And communion brings us back to the Easter story and, and brings us to the fact of the death, burial, and resurrection of the Lord Savior, Jesus Christ. Sunday is the day that we pick to worship. And it's so important that we declare the Sabbath, but we only worship one God. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We only worship God. We only worship God. We don't worship the day. Because every day is a new day in God's presence. Yes, we have set aside the first day of the week, Sunday, as a Christian time to fellowship and grow in Christ. But we come here to worship God. We come here to worship God. Some have to work Sundays. They can't help that. That's just where they're at in life. And so their Sabbath might be on a Monday or a Tuesday or 
Wednesday or Thursday where they take time to honor God and worship Him. You have all your doctors, all your nurses, all the folks that first responders who are on the job. And we are grateful for their lives. And so we have to be careful that we recognize that we worship God, not the Sabbath. And that's, that's a very delicate subject because some people think you have to be in church on Sunday or you're not going to make heaven. No, you have to be in God's presence to make heaven. And yes, the church is vitally important. Yes, fellowship is vitally important because that's what God established and that's what we're seeing Paul doing here. He's establishing the early church. He's gone out and he's brought words of encouragement to folks as they've been challenged uh, and as persecution has come. And we live lived in America pretty much scot-free of persecution. But in the last 10 years, we have seen persecution of the body of Christ like we've not seen in many, many years. And we must recognize the fact that God is still in control. God is still powerful. And he cares for every one of his children. He loves us with a great compassion and desires us to walk in the goodness of God. So on the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. How many of you have been with family, and you haven't seen them for months on end, maybe years? And it's hard to just say, oh, nice to see you. It's so good to be here. I'm, Ten minutes later, you're gone? No. You hang out and you talk. And if one of those individuals that you're visiting is up in years and you don't know how many more nights you're going to have with them, you take all the time you possibly can to be with them. You see, we, we view life as being just really, you know, wonderful, 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 but there's also a time when we lay it down and we go to heaven. And that's the ultimate reward of life when we live on this earth is going to heaven. And Paul realizes that his days on this earth may be numbered because the crowd wants to snuff out his life. They want to snuff out God, but they can't because God can't be snuffed. And so Paul is preaching. He's sharing his heart and he, he's just going after it. And he's talking till midnight. He he. He wants to take everything that God's poured into his heart and pour it into the hearts of his listeners because he wants them to grow in Christ. He wants them to have the same tenacity that God has put within him. And, and he's just, he's beside himself wanting to do everything he can to bolster them in the faith. There were many lamps in the upstairs room where we were meeting. Seated in a window was a young man named Eutychus, who was sinking into a deep sleep as Paul talked on and on. <laughs> kind of reminds me of the guy that came to church one Sunday morning. And, uh, he got up and left about three minutes into the message. Pastor thought, that's kind of unusual. Lo and behold, about five minutes before the service was over, he came in and sat down. 
So the pastor said, George, what, what's the deal? He said, you skipped the sermon this morning. He said, no, I was here. He said, yeah, but you got left. He said, well, I went and got a haircut. You went and got a haircut? Yeah, as long as you preach, pastor, I was afraid it's going to be too long by the service. <laughs> and so Paul's, Paul's preaching on and on and on and on. And when he was sound asleep, he fell to the ground from the third story and was picked up dead. A young man sat in the window with the heat of the room. Now you've got to understand that they didn't have air conditioning, they didn't have central air, and so all the heat rises, they're on the third floor, the lamps are heated, where's the heat going? It's going out the window. It's passing right by this sobering, tired young man, and he falls completely out the window. To the ground, he's dead. What a glorious, wonderful prayer meeting, huh? Somebody dies because we're having church till e hours in the morning. That's a horrible declaration. Paul went down, threw himself on the young man, and put his arms around him. Don't be alarmed, he said. He lives! Hallelujah! He lives. Paul is reenacting Old Testament principles here, where you they would lay their body on the on the dead, and God would resurrect them. That's the power of our God. Resurrection power. So we recognize the fact that the communion service we've celebrated today is, is the resurrection of Jesus, but there's also the resurrection of our spirits and our souls out of the darkness of this world to get saved, but then the resurrection to go to be with Jesus. And our spirit goes with to be with the Lord forever and forever. But he says... He's alive. The Easter story is about resurrection. He's alive. This young boy was being faithful to the church house. He was being faithful to enter into the presence of God Almighty. And here we have a miracle take place. A mighty miracle. I don't know about you, but that's a capstone on a prayer meeting. All night fellowship time. All night preaching. You see, you say, well, Pastor, we don't, we don't know if we could take an all-nighter. You get the anointing of God flowing, you can take anything if you want to be in his presence. And, and that's what was going on here. The presence of God was moving mightily, and there was no time clocks going off because people wanted to be in the presence of God. Paul had an urgency in his heart to be in the presence of God. Why? Because the world was in turmoil. They was riding just a few days before this, riding to, to destroy the very very evidence of God. But God had a plan and a purpose, and, and they were in the presence of God Almighty, and, and God's Holy Spirit was bringing encouragement into their heart. For you see, we serve a God who gives us endurance and encouragement. He sustains our physical bodies and he lifts up our spirit. We serve a God who pours love by the power of the Holy Spirit. He pours love into the hearts of mankind. This young man fell dead, but now he's alive. Then he went upstairs and broke bread and ate after taking, after talking until daylight. He left. The people took the young man home alive and were greatly comforted. So they had a communion service. 
where they took the cup and they took the bread and they prayed over it and they partake. But then they also had a fellowship meal, an agape meal, to where they shared love. But you see, this was the tradition of the early church. But in Corinthians, we find that the carnal flesh creeped in to that fellowship meal. And what was happening is, is that those who had the wealth would bring their food and set it on their table. The poor would come and bring their food and set it on their table. And neither one would share. And the rebuke was, you guys don't have it right. You've missed the mark. So that was abolished. They quit having that meal, but they continued to have the time of communion. And we have continued all of these years passing it down to remember the fact that it's the broken bread, remembering the fact that it's the blood of Jesus. Paul's travels, the steps of a righteous man, the resurrection power, don't be alarmed, he said, he's alive. And so we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the resurrection of this young man being delivered from death. And we rejoice with the steps of Paul that had God had him at the right place at the right time and things transpired for the glory of God. It's a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous blessing to be in the presence of God Almighty and watch God do something very, very special. Hallelujah. The presence of God Almighty. The people were comforted as they went home. They were comforted because they had been in the presence of God Almighty. In the spiritual attitude of the hearts of the people, their faith was built. When the young man hit the ground and he was dead, there was faith to believe for a miracle. Paul's faith was encouraged as he saw people listening and participating. And yes, that young man may have worked 12 hours before he got there. He could have been exhausted when the meeting started. But the thing is, is that God resurrected him and God brought comfort to the family as they traveled home. God can give you comfort. God's going to respect your persons. He can give you a miracle. He can lift you up. He can, he can take you out of the mire of clay and put your feet on the solid rock Jesus. He can do great, wonderful miracles. And we just have to be in the Word and pray and believe God for miracles and to know that God has a plan and a purpose and, and there's nothing too difficult for Him. Will you stand with me this morning? We're going to pray and, and have an altar service. And thank you for those who have come uh, and viewed online today. We're so grateful for the peace of God that passes all understanding. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. And Lord, we recognize that the steps of the righteous man are ordered of God. And Lord, we want to be righteous. We want to be everything that you have us to be, Lord. We don't want anything in our lives that hinders you working. And Lord, we realize that there is a walk in this life and Lord, there's a time to rejoice and there's a time to mourn and there's a time to grieve, but there's always a time to believe God for a miracle. There's always time for, to believe God for the strength and the endurance that he's giving us. For we know that as we walk with God, he will walk with us. And Lord, we do not have to be overcome by fear or anxiety. 
that we can allow the love of God to empower us for God's glory, that we can be sustained, but we can also have the joy of the Lord is our strength, the joy that comes from the throne room of God. And Lord, I pray, Lord, especially for those in Florida today, God, that you would bring joy to their hearts. Lord, that there's so much devastation down there that's mind-boggling. And Lord, I ask, God, that you would just pour out your spirit upon those that are desperately needing a hand of God upon them. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for blessing those that are at home viewing this video today. God, that they would just receive the touch that God has for them today. And Lord, that you would just make yourself very real to them and may the presence of God Almighty slide into their home and minister to the inner heart's cry. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen. God bless you for being with us today. The anointing of God is powerful. The anointing of God is powerful. And we need God to, to move mightily. If you'd like anointed with oil, we're here to anoint you with oil. And 